So, the way, the truth, and the life. I want to start this morning reading this to you. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's John 10, 10. I'm going to tell you some life stories uh, of mine, very minor ones. I've had a very blessed life. I had a very blessed life. I was paid uh, to travel the world, which is a wonderful thing. I, um, I remember being in Barbados and jet skiing with my friend. And we were jet skiing um, in the sea, obviously. And as we were going along, this fist just jumped out of the water, just arced over us as we were going through. And then we sat in the, the waters uh, of, the, of the bay there together with a beer in our hand. And I looked at him and I said, Nobby, so it's not, you know, one of those moments. We said, Nobby, I said, life doesn't get better than this, does it? And he said, I don't think it does. And then roll on, and we were in uh, Colombia. And whenever you go to a port, there's this um, letter that comes out from the officers telling you where you should go, where you shouldn't go, how to keep safe. And we pulled into uh, Cartagena, and so whatever you do, don't go over this bridge. So we got in the taxi and said, let's go over the bridge. <laughs> so we went over the bridge. And we end, I ended up dancing on the tables. And those of you that know me, that's not something I do readily, or not anymore. And I was dancing on the table till early hours of the morning. I had such a good time. I think life just doesn't get any better than this. I was in Antigua playing golf on a golf course um, that I should not have been allowed to play on. But there I was. And afterwards, I had a drink with Sir Viv Richards, the, um, the West Indies cricket legend. I'm not name dropping here. I'm just showing you that I had a blessed life. And I kept saying to myself, life doesn't get any better than this. Then I got married and I thought life doesn't get any better than this. Then children came along and I thought, you know, this is, life doesn't get any better than this. And I really felt that I had a really blessed life. The way, the truth, and the life. The last couple of weeks we've been looking um, at this phrase of Jesus in this passage in John uh, chapter 4. And this is what Eugene Peterson says about this famous phrase. He says, the Jesus way wedded to the Jesus truth brings about the Jesus life. We can't proclaim the Jesus truth, but then do it any old way we like. Nor can we follow the Jesus way without speaking the Jesus truth. Authentic disciples cannot cling to the truth about Jesus while avoiding the way of Jesus. The Jesus truth plus the Jesus way equals the Jesus life. These words were spoken by Jesus uh, recorded in, in John 14. I'd just like to, to read them to you now. So if you've got your Bibles with you or your, your phones are in John chapter 14. It's just the first seven verses. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and I've seen him. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. This was part of his leaving address. Jesus was soon to be leaving them. He was going to go to the cross and then through the grave and on into heaven. And he was telling the disciples that he was leaving. You know, things have been good. The things have been great. But I'm going to be leaving you. And it's going to be tough. But I'll tell you something else. It's going to be okay. 
And I can tell you why. Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. So that when Jesus left them, they had a way to follow. They had a truth to believe in. And they had a life to live. But how do we take comfort? How did they take comfort from Jesus leaving? What did he say to them? He said, believe in God. Believe in the Father. Believe also in me. Have faith. Have faith in me and have faith in the Father. Jesus said to them, I say these words again, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about the way. Jesus made a way and he is the way. We talked about the fact there are many rooms in our Father's house, his Father's house, that this invitation that he gives them, this way, the truth and the life, is going to be for everybody. There are many rooms in his father's house nobody would left out the invitation stands to everybody but Jesus made a way through the cross it was the only way and he said once I've made a way I will be the way you can follow me so how did Jesus make a way we talked about the fact that Jesus went to the cross he did what we couldn't do he paid for our sins he made a way to the father he removed this blockage of sin by paying for it so that we could be at one with the father once more And then he said, but once I've done that, I am the way. I'm also the way to the Father. So he's talking here not about a one-time event, not I've made a way, but I am also the way. If you follow me, you will find your way to the Father. It's accepting and believing in Jesus as the way means following Jesus and accepting that he is the Son of God. There is a truth in what he is saying, and we are going to come on to the truth. Because if we accept the way, if we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, if we accept the truth, like he is telling his disciples, that he is the Son of God, it changes everything. It says, if you accept the way, if you accept this truth, you will be able to see more truth. But more importantly, if you receive me, when I go to the Father, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, and this is what the Holy Spirit will do for you. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. What Jesus is saying is there, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he will reveal things to you about me. He will start to reveal the truth. The things you can't understand now and the things that future generations can't grasp, the Holy Spirit will reveal them to you and he will reveal them through my word. So we accepted Jesus as the way, we accepted that he has made a way to the Father. But then he says, I am the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. No, truth is absolute, which I'll talk about in a moment, but truth has become, um, how can I put it, diluted over the last couple, maybe the last generation or so. I want to just at this point, Paul and Rogers very kindly uh, brought this artwork in for us, perhaps upstairs on this side you can't see it, but perhaps when you grab a coffee, take a look, he's brought some of his artwork in and he says it's abstract, it's recovered wood, but it's it's how he sees Jesus as the way, the truth and the life inspired by him. And he, he gave this poem to go along with it and this This poem is full of truth. Why did he sacrifice himself? Why did he bear the pain? Why did he speak those words of love, forgiving once again? Gave up his life for my own sake, 
and suffered on that tree. I cannot understand the reason why he died for me. Why did he choose me from the rest? Why did he call me friend? Why did he free me from my sin, my broken heart to mend? Set me apart to walk with him from darkness into light. Throw off these rags for his new clothes, changing my wrong to right. I'm still amazed that Jesus Christ would choose me for his own, not just a man who walked this earth, but God's own precious son. I'm now a child of Father God, that's who you say I am, renewed, forgiven, free, restored, and part of his great plan. There is much truth in that poem, but truth has become diluted in our world over this last generation. We went through a period of post-truth, which is relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Facts seem to be contested regularly at the moment, but this is something, you cast your minds back to Brexit, do you remember that and the bus, the, the NHS, we will give 250 million or 350 million to the NHS. No, I'm not saying whether that happened or not, but what I'm saying is that was an appeal to people's emotion. That was an appeal to their feelings in the hope that they would believe it, whether it was true or not. The fact wasn't important. They were tugging on people's heartstrings. The NHS needs more money. It needs help. It's struggling. It needs help. And that was a tug on us. So the, the truth was kind of became immaterial. This post-truth, the truth doesn't really matter. But if I can appeal to what you feel, what you think, and what you like, then I can get you to believe anything. Then we came to relativism. It's kind of where we find ourselves now, where the truth apparently is, is relative. It's the belief that truth and right and wrong cannot be judged generally as, as truth itself, but can be judged only in relation to other things, such as your personal situation or feelings. So what was once the truth can be changed if it doesn't suit you. If you don't feel that's right, if you don't think that's right, if it doesn't suit what you want to do, it's not really truth. Just find your truth my truth, and then I'll be able to find a way. But I want to say to you that, that truth is truth. I just want to, I don't know why I'm doing this, this came to mind the other week, but um, as part of my time in the Navy as an engineer, there were, there were lots of things that I was told that I just had to believe. They were kind of beyond my comprehension, but this is something that kind of stuck with me when they talked about truth. You see, we, today we're told that the truth isn't really the truth. Science doesn't really reveal truth there's no absolute you just find your own way and find your own truth and you'll be fine just do it your way but the thing is if, if I stand on this chair okay there's this thing called gravity okay uh, it's a force that pulls us onto the earth at 9.81 meters per second per second so if you drop a kilogram okay from somewhere every meter it will increase in speed by 9.81 meters per second that will never ever change that was when the earth was formed that force was there. It has always been there. It will always be there so long as this earth exists. Now, I might think, I don't believe it. I don't believe in gravity. It doesn't suit me. I want to fly. Okay, so this truth doesn't exist. I'm going to fly. You know, I went on holiday recently, lost a few pounds. I'm a bit lighter. Well, I was a bit lighter. <laughs> so if I jump off this chair, I can fly because it's my truth. I'm a flyer. I've seen Superman. Anyone can do it. Gravity has no hold on me. That's not the truth. But we all know when I jump off this chair exactly what's going to happen. Okay, that's it. Very simple, but that is the truth. That is never going to change, despite what I think about it. Now, the truth I want you to think about this morning is that Jesus 
is the son of God. And that truth will never change. No matter how people feel, no matter what they think, that truth will never change. Jesus is the truth of God. This is, Jesus said, I am the truth. He is the truth of God. He was God in human form. When you look at Jesus, you see God. This is what he was saying to his disciples. So not only have I made a way, but between me making a way and you following the way, you're going to need the truth. You're going to need some truth. You need to know who I am and who you can hang your hat on, who you can stand on, who you can anchor yourself to when times get tough, because they will. So you're going to need me, and I am the truth. He said, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him, and I've seen him. Philip said, love Philip. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Jesus shows us the nature of the Father, of God. If you want to know who God is, if you want to know what God is like, then read the Gospels. If you read the life of Jesus, that is God in person. That is God's character. I was thinking of the, the adulterous woman in John 8. This adulterous woman was brought before Jesus by the authorities and the, the elders. And they said, Jesus, what are you going to do? This woman's been caught on adultery, knowing that the, the penalty for this sin was being stoned to death. And they expected Jesus to uphold the law. But he didn't. He didn't do anything to start with. He carried on writing. He didn't jump to condemn. And when he paused, he said, if anybody here who has not sinned, you carry on. You carry on and stone this woman if there is no sin in you. And one by one, they had to peel away. But Jesus did say to her in the end, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. You need to change your life. What I love about it is Jesus doesn't start with, you need to stop that. He says, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. He loves. God's nature is love. He loves and forgives. And it's in response to that love and forgiveness that our heart is changed and behavior follows. It's not behavior first. It's heart first. When you give your heart to Jesus, you cannot help but change. <laughs> so it's just the truth it gets me every time <laughs> you see it's not about behavior modification it's about heart transformation that's what Jesus is after he's after heart transformation and guess what that leads to behavior modification not because you're told to but because you want to because it's in response to the love of Jesus you know the truth is we're all sinners do you know that? we're all sinners but sin doesn't make us bad. Sin doesn't make us bad. It makes us dead. It makes us dead. The Bible says that the wages of sin are death. So sin doesn't make us bad. It makes us dead. But I want to tell you this morning, there are no 
grades of testimony. That's why the wages of sin are death. They're not bad. Because you can have grades of bad. You can be really bad, a bit bad. Just be bad. But if you're dead, you're dead. And we are all dead in our sin. There are no, someone not long ago told me about, oh, these rubbish testimonies. I won't use the words he used, but these rubbish testimonies. And it made me quite wild. Because I just want to say to you this morning, whether you've been in and out of prison, perhaps you've been dealing drugs, perhaps you've been up to things you don't want to tell anybody about, and God's rescued you, you know, we think, oh, that's an amazing testimony. But you could have somebody that's been brought up in church their entire life. But at one stage, they've had to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. And they're both in heaven, and they're both loved by God. And the amazing testimony is what God has done. It's not what the life was like. It's what God has done, because we are all dead. We all need rescuing. So what will set us free? What will set us free? The truth will set us free, or so we think. See, the truth highlights our sin. It shows us what we're up to. It shows us what we need to change. But it also shows us how to deal with it. See, in John chapter 8, Jesus says this to those that are listening. He says, to the Jews who have believed in him, he says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That phrase, the truth will set you free. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But it's knowing the truth. If we read that again, Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free to a degree, but Jesus says knowing the truth will set you free. We need to know the truth. But what does it set us free from? It sets us free from the old life. You know, the one I had that I thought couldn't get any better, but I wasn't free. I wasn't free. I was just chasing one experience after the next, thinking that life was wonderful. Until I met Jesus, and then it truly became wonderful. And those things paled into significance. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. That's, happened. That's what happens to us when we accept Jesus is the way. We accept him into our life. The old is gone, and the new has come. The truth that he is the Son of God, that he died for us, sets us free. And we become new creations. Jesus said he is the truth. He is the truth and the truth is our guide. Jesus is our guide. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. If you're stuck this morning, if you don't know where you're going, if you're a little bit lost, the truth is the answer. Jesus as the truth and the word of God is the answer. Truth is an antidote to lies and temptation. Jesus was led into the wilderness and he came up against the devil. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written. It is in the law. It is in the word of God. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You cannot live on what the world gives you. You cannot give on anything from this world because it is temporary and it will not last. But you can live on my word, which stands eternal. It stands forever. You need the words of God. And twice more, the devil goes on to challenge Jesus. And twice more, Jesus comes back and says, it is written. It is written. If you are doubting anything this morning, if you feel challenged this morning, if you're in a pit this morning and you can't find your way out, the word of God is your answer. 
The truth is your answer. Jesus is your answer. Everything you need is in that book. And it will be revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was challenged, he used the word of God. When you're discouraged, when you're deceived, when you're distracted, the answer is the truth. Truth is also life-giving. If you want to enter into life with me, Jesus says, and my Father, I've made a way for you. But for you to fully embrace that way and the life you know you need to know and feed on the truth, feed on me, the word of God. You need to feed on the word of God to live the life that has called you to. You know what I want to just say at this moment, I was talking to somebody last night. Uh, we went to, went to the pub, pastor in the pub, eh? Went to the pub to celebrate James Marlowe's life. And I was talking to a friend last night and I was saying, you know what, one thing that struck me yesterday about James is that he lived life now. He lived life now. He wasn't waiting. I've always thought about the eternal perspective. You know, what, the, what is coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming again. And I've always looked at that as the perspective I need to look through life. And it's true, I do. But Jesus said, I have come to live, I come that you may have life and live it to the full. He has come that we might have life now. This life is for us to live now. So as Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. Remember what Peterson said, the way and the truth equal life. Don't wait for life. Don't wait for that to come for you. Live the life that God has called you to now. The word of God. This book, I've come to love this book. I really have. I used to struggle with it really badly. I don't know anybody else here. Sometimes you pick up this word and you read it and you think, what on earth am I reading? But I promise you, you persevere and you ask God to show you and ask his Holy Spirit to show you. There are times in the morning when I weep reading this book because of what God is saying to me. That's not because I'm special. It's not because I read it lots or read it all the time. It's because of God. All good things come from God. This book is God-inspired. 2 Timothy 3 says... All scripture is God-breathed. These are God's words. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you want to be equipped for every good work that God has for you? Do you want to be ready for this life that God has called you to? The answers are in here. The inspiration is in here. This book is Jesus. It sings about him. It lords him. It prophesies about him. It foretells of his coming again. This book is Jesus. It is full of Jesus. And if you want to know the truth, know this book. And you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, we don't like the terms sometimes in that verse. It's useful for teaching. That's right. We like teaching, don't we? We like learning things that are new. We like being taught how to do things. That's okay. Rebuking. Steady. Rebuking, I'm not up for any of that. We need it. We're dead. We're dead in our sins. We need to be rebuked. We need to be reminded of what we're up to. The things that are not okay. Those things in the secret places. We're doing our best, but we all know there's a little corner of our heart and there's something in there and it's like, if only everybody knew. But it's okay. Because the truth is shining a light on that. If you bring it to God, bring it into the open, as the truth says, it will set you free. We need rebuking from time to time. Correcting. Think of a sat-nav. We hear that analogy all the time, but it's so true. This is a sat-nav. It's the sat-nav of life. You get lost, you'll find your way in this book. It is a map. It's a map to the Father. I challenge anybody to read this book openly and ask God to show them they will not find Jesus. This is like a sat-nav. If you need correcting 
on the way, if your behavior needs corrected, not a thou shalt, but in light of my love for you, why don't you try this? It's a hard book to resist. I was reading um, What I Love. A friend of mine has put me onto this for the love of God by D.A. Carson. And um, it just goes through the, the Bible in a year. And it goes a bit deep. Carson is a genius. I sat listening to him once and I gave up taking notes. I couldn't, I couldn't keep up. And this goes a bit deep sometimes. But it just reveals so much more. When someone that has read it before you has gone before you. Someone further on the faith. So read the book with somebody. Whether, whether it's through a commentary, whether it's through a devotional, with someone else, read it with somebody and they will reveal it to you. But one thing I loved in that book was, was Carson talked about Psalm 1 when he talked about the word and he talked about the truth. He talked about Psalm 1. I'll just read it to you. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. There's three things there. You're blessed if you don't do these things, one, two, and three. You're blessed if you don't walk in step with the wicked. You're blessed if you don't stand in the way that sinners take. That means follow them, not necessarily stand in their way, but to, to follow them. And thirdly, don't sit in the company of mockers. There's three things there we're being told not to do. So it'd be right to assume there must be more things that we need to do to, to not achieve those things, to not stand in the way of sin, to not sit in the company of mockers. But there's one thing, there's one antidote it goes on to say, verse 2, but those who delight in the law of the Lord and those who meditate on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. But let's go back to that beginning of verse 2. There's three things we've been told, you know, look out for these things, don't do them. But there's one easy antidote to stop you falling into that and that's to meditate on the word of God day and night. Because if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And you'll be free from the old sin. You'll be free from the old life. You know, I remember Richard Bunt, those of you who remember him, shocked me when I, I sat with him once and he said, I cannot wait to get rid of this stinking, honking carcass that I live in. I cannot wait to get rid of this which corrupts me. This which keeps me from Jesus. Because he knew that sin corrupts us. It does corrupt us, but there is a way out. And it is the truth. Know the truth and the truth will set you free free but what else does someone say about life the way the truth and the life those who delight in the law of the lord and who meditate on his law day and night that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose love whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers you want a prosperous life you want a life that says it doesn't get any better than this get in this book if you don't believe me, test it. Test it. I challenge you. Get in it and see what it says to you about Jesus and your life. If we want the fullness of the life that God offers us, we need to follow the way and believe and feed on the truth. And what I would say to you about the Bible is don't get hung up. Don't get, you know, I can only get through five minutes in a day. That's fine. I wrote a phrase here that, that came to me. I don't know if I can find it. It's not how much you read, but how much you feed. It's not how much you read, but how much you feed. So don't try and get through 10 chapters in a day. You might if you want to. That's great. But feed. Take time over it. Chew it. Digest it. I think at one time I spent three months on Psalm 51. Because I wasn't going through a particularly good time. And I needed to give my heart to God. And every day I read that psalm and every day it said something different. 
You don't need to wade your way through it. You don't need to do the Bible in a year, but you need to get in the Bible. We need to get in the Bible because it will set us free. So Jesus said, I am the life. So what is this life that Jesus says he is? It's a life with him. It's a life through him. And it is a life like no other. You know, we're often so distracted by the temporary things of life. Things that won't last. Like jet skiing in Barbados. Dancing on the tables in Colombia. Or even hang gliding (laughs) over the cliffs of Ipanema Beach. These things come and they go. These things that we think are what will give us satisfaction. These things that we think will give us a good life. They will pass. It's not that they're not fun. It's not that we shouldn't do these things. It's not that we can't have enjoyment while we're here. But this life is the start of the life. Life on earth is the start of the complete life. You do know this morning that you are an eternal being. You are an eternal being. You will not stop living. Your body may pass, but you will not stop living. Jesus has a life for you to live that starts now but will continue for eternity. But there are things that he wants us to do. He wants us to be like him. But he offers a life that never stops giving. He offers a life that never stops giving, that will never stop satisfying. I was thinking of the the woman at the well in John 4. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Immediately there's a, bar- there's a barrier there, isn't there? There's a barrier. For Jews weren't supposed to associate with Samaritans. But Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink. There again, if you knew who I am. If you knew I was the son of God, you would ask me for more. If you knew the gift of God and what it is, and who it is, sorry, that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you, can have, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Immediately, she's looking at the temporary. Immediately, she's looking at the things. Well, you haven't got a spoon. You haven't got a bucket. You haven't got what you need to draw from this well. How on earth can you get water? She's looking at the temporary. Are you greater than your father Jacob? Who do you think you are? Jacob gave us this well and drank from it himself. Also did his sons and all his livestock. But Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Everyone who drinks of this world, everyone who drinks of what the world has to offer them will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and I won't have to keep coming here to draw water. When the truth was revealed to this woman, Jesus wanted to reveal the truth of her life. He told her everything about her life. When she realized the truth, when she realized who Jesus was, she went and told everybody. This is a woman that was at the well at midday, probably because she wanted to be on her own. Probably because of her life. She wanted to be on her own and keep her life kind of secret. But in the light of Jesus' truth, in the light of who Jesus was, she ran into town and started to tell everybody about the conversation that she just had. And she couldn't wait to tell people who Jesus was. Because life with Jesus sets you free. So this life, this Zoe life, they call it in the Greek, this spiritual life, this 
this deified life, this life with God, this life that Jesus offers, it's eternal. It's everlasting. It will never stop providing what we really need. A lifetime in relationship with God. So this life that Jesus offers is like no other. You know, I've seen my own life radically changed. I lived a life that many people would have been jealous of. And I knew it. And I thought, this is it. I've cracked it. Great job. Travel the world. Lovely wife. Lovely children. And then Jesus come and show me something more. There's always more with Jesus. Now I have an eternal perspective. I'm on the way. I want the life. And so I need to feed on the truth of Jesus. If I want this life to get better, if I want the life I have, if I want the life God has given me to be fulfilled, to live it to its utmost, to get everything from it, I need to get into the truth of the word of God. See, if you follow Jesus as the way, and you believe in Jesus as the truth, you will encounter life with Jesus. And then you can truly say, life doesn't get any better than this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's made a way for you. He offers you the truth. And if you embrace them both and do them both, you will have a life that you've never dreamed of. Life with Jesus is never boring. No two days are ever the same. There's always something new to learn, something always new for him to show you, someone for you to come across, someone for you to help, someone for you to help save the Jesus life, the Jesus way plus the Jesus truth equals the Jesus life. Now I want to talk to you about Alpha this morning when we talk about life and changed life. It could be this morning that You've had your life changed and you love it, but perhaps you sat a bit kind of, that's it, I've crossed the line. I've accepted Jesus, I've chosen the way. And that's fine, I've chosen the way. But I want to encourage you that there is more than just crossing the line. There is more than getting your Lamb's book, your name in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus calls us to more than that. He calls us to a full life, the Jesus life, the life where we are like him. We're loved by him, we love him, and we are like him, and we show him to other people. I want to challenge you this morning to think about that. If you're living the Jesus life and you know it, show it to others. If you're not living the Jesus life, if you don't know him, if you don't really gather what all this means, you may not have understood anything I've said this morning, or it may be that you're on the edge of your seat thinking, what's next? We're going to give you that opportunity. But we run a course here at church, many of you have heard it called Alpha. The Alpha course. Now, Alpha in itself will not save you. But Alpha will point you to Jesus. And Jesus will save you. Jesus will save you. And Jesus will give you a new life. So we're just going to watch a short video. And we're going to talk about that, that briefly together. I worked in retail by day. I was a bouncer by night. But I only really did these jobs to feed my cocaine addiction. The life of a bouncer is very violent and pretty much anything went. I would stand on the door and get abuse after abuse. Uh, the mentality was to push each other with a lot of banter and try and be faster or funnier or more aggressive than the next guy. My life became a, a real jump between knocking people out or punching people in the face and waking up in park benches. The violent scene made me take more and more drinking drugs just to kind of stay normal. Um, and then one night I found myself alone and I took an overdose. Um, 
and I realised that I didn't want to die, so I cried out in prayer. The next day I woke up and didn't want to touch cocaine ever again. I put this down to my own strength and just being a strong character. But then something was different. I kept meeting Christians and in my line of work that was quite strange. And then there was this one woman, Fiona, who worked in the store I worked in and she was a Christian. She openly shared her faith and that made me ask her a lot of questions and I mercilessly tortured her for answers. And she was really, really nice and didn't get angry and handed me a Bible and said I should maybe try reading it. I decided to ask Fiona out because I really started to fall for her. She said no. And then I thought she lived her life by this book so I should maybe get the answer for why she should go out and wait in this book. So I started to read it and instead I found a lot of other things. It was at this point that I asked Fiona to take me along to church. When I got to church I didn't really know what to expect. I'd never been to church before and um, there was an alpha starting. So I thought, what have I got to lose? So I went along and did the alpha course. It was great to meet so many different people who um, made me feel just so welcome and were just really, really nice. And it really made me start to think about some of the bigger questions in life, like why would God choose to forgive me or how could I even possibly remotely become a Christian? As the weeks went on, we got closer and closer and you know, we ate together, we had fun together, we laughed over the discussions and we really started to develop a real sense of family. And it was these people's lives, living out what it meant to be a Christian today, that really spoke to me and really encouraged me to think about things differently. Alpha really turned the questions I had into a belief about God and that God really genuinely cares for me and everyone else. I've changed from a violent, loveless drug addict to a family man who's happily married and just a lover of life. Fiona and I are now married and we've just had a wee baby. I've been running alphas for many different peoples, from gangs to grannies, and I've really seen people's lives change. Every day is an adventure. That was a life changed by Jesus. A man that's done an alpha course and his life was changed. Now you may think there's people in your family, you may think there's people that you work with, they'll never come. They'll never come, they'll never listen, they'll say no. I would say to you that we live in a world that is more receptive than it's ever been. Don't listen to the press, don't listen to the articles that tell you that Christianity is diminishing. It's smoke and mirrors. The kingdom of God is advancing. It will always be advancing because people like you and me take the light of the life of Jesus into the world. And I would challenge you this morning to think about who it is that you can ask. Someone that might just say Yes. You know, Ed, we prayed for Ed the other week, Ed Turnbull and his team. He talked about them going out on the streets and, and preaching the word. Well, not preaching, just sharing the word of God, making themselves available. They're not heavy-handed. They just gently present themselves and say to people, you know, would you like to talk about this? Quite often they are approached. And you'd be amazed how many people are interested in what you've got to say about Jesus. Ed actually said to me, I'm a bit worried about this upcoming Alpha course. He said, because there's that many people that have shown an interest. I'm just a bit concerned about whether we funnel too many people in already. I said, you can never funnel too many people into Alpha. And I said the same to you. Don't be afraid. Please ask. There are people out there, as you said this morning, there are people out there that are dead. And God wants them alive. He wants them to live the Jesus life. He's made a way from them. He's got the truth waiting for them. And he's got a life that they can live like you and I. So please think about who you can 
ask to come to Alpha. So we've, um, we're coming to a time of communion together. And I just want you to remember what the Lord has done for us, that he has made a way, that he is the truth, provides us with the truth. He made a way. He is the way. He is the truth. And if you know the truth, it will set you free. He is the life, the never-ending, need-fulfilling, thirst-quenching, sin-forgiving, heart-healing life. Jesus said in prayer about his disciples and us, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father... Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. As we break bread together this morning, let's remember what Jesus has done for us, what it cost him to make a way for you and for me and for all those that are waiting. Let's make a renewed commitment to knowing the truth, to knowing Jesus so that we can be free and we can show other people the way to be free. Let's surrender our hearts this morning that we might be transformed by his truth, and live a life full according to his purposes. You know, if you're sat here or watching online and you're thinking, I want more than this, I want this life that Jesus is offering, I'm tired of things not being enough. I'm tired of always wanting more, but never being satisfied. I've had enough of feeling lost and ashamed and not knowing which way is up. Then I want you to pray this prayer after me in your head and your heart. And you can accept Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life for you. And we'd love you to join us in communion and remembering what Jesus has done for us. So I'm going to pray that prayer. I'm going to ask the communion teams to, to get ready to serve communion to us. And perhaps the band could come up as well as you get ready to do this. But Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would speak into the hearts of those that don't know you. Anybody here? Anybody online, Lord? I just pray you speak into the hearts right now. If that's you, if you want the Jesus life, if you're hiding behind the life that you're living, if the life that you live is not enough for you, there is more in the Jesus life. And he died so that you could have a life with him. If that's you, if you're not following today, then I ask that you pray this prayer with me. Just pray this in your heart. Father God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I'm sorry for the things that I should have done. And that I haven't. I'm sorry that I've ignored you to this point in my life. But I thank you for what you've done on the cross. I thank you for paying for my sin. I thank you for making a way that I might know the Father. That I might know God for myself. Jesus, please come into my heart. Please send your spirit into my heart. That I might too know the truth. And may follow you the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. If that's you this morning, if you're at home, let us know. Drop us an email if you're in the building. Then please let someone know. Tell someone. Maybe someone you came with or grab me or one of the other leaders and tell them. We'd love to pray with you. But we're going to take this time of communion this morning. So I'm just going to pray for us. Lord, as we, as we come to take communion, Lord, as we've heard your word about the Jesus life, Lord, I pray as we take this, these emblems of the bread and the wine of your body and your blood. Lord, I pray that you would show us what it is you want us to do. 
as we come to you and thank you for what it is you have done. I pray, Lord, that in response, we would open our hearts and say, what do you want me to do? You want me to live life to the full. You died so that I could have life to the full starting now, Lord. And I want you to show me what it is. Perhaps there's something on your heart that God's been niggling you about. Perhaps there's a promise or a prophecy that's been spoken over you and it's laid dormant for years. Perhaps this morning as you remind yourself what God has done for you, what he's made available to you, the way that he has made for you, the things that are possible because of what he has done. What do you say to him this morning? Jesus, show me what you would have me do. As I thank you, what can I do for you? Amen.